If you are able, would you stand for the reading of God's holy, inerrant, and infallible word, beginning in the um, 18th chapter of the Gospel of St. Matthew as Jesus continues his journey up to Jerusalem. We read these words, um, beginning with chapter in the chapter 18 verses. One through seven. At the time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? People are always looking for pecking orders, aren't they? And Jesus would have none of it. There is no pecking order in the church of Jesus Christ. There is only one head. And that is Christ. And we are not lords over each other, but the Bible says we are to honor Christ by being servants to one another. And then Jesus called him a little child. I enjoy seeing those children, don't you? Precious. Any of you have them around. And set him in the midst of them. And said, assuredly I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The greatest are not those who show arrogance. The greatest are those who show humility. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like a little child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. You know, every child in this church should be precious to us, even as though they were our own. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung about his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Amen. Be seated. Well, I'm going to make a quick trip to Tennessee Wednesday and be back Friday. And one of the things I look forward to seeing is... uh, my two little grandsons and little granddaughter, I haven't seen them since Thanksgiving, but as I tell you all, all the time, every time these little ones come up, you know, I've got lots of little grandchildren. And no, she didn't do it this morning, she was unhappy, but little Charlie so often comes, and she sees me at the office, she'll come up and hug my leg and say, Pastor, I love you. Children are precious. 
When Jesus speaks of children, though, in this text today, he's, he's speaking not only of little children like these, but also uh, babes in Christ. You know, when we are saved, we, we are not mature spiritually. And the maturation that the Lord works upon us takes a lifetime, doesn't it? But he does, and, and, it, and do not be confused, when he talks about the faith of a child, he's not talking about childishness. We see a lot of that in, in life, don't we? You know, I, I, I've had, not, not in this one, I must add, you know. The folks, the folks before me have done a good work, and you all have done it. I don't, I don't experience much childishness here. But I've had churches that the people had a childish faith. And it was marked by all the things we see in our children that, that um, aren't good, you know. Like self-interest and selfishness and allowing esteemed needs to overcome the truth, you know. We see all those things. The, um, but the childlike faith that Jesus is talking about has not to do with their innocence, you know. Children are not innocent. They're just not accounted judged. I mean, listen, man. Hold on, I'm a little baby. Oh, that's, that's the most innocent thing I've ever held. Not really. You know, the, an infant is the most self-centered of all creatures. You know that? No. You know, that doesn't mean you just, they're not precious. But, but I mean, I remember my boys, you know, they're... They were self-centered. Even if they get a dirty, dirty diaper or uh, get hungry, you know, uh, what you were doing doesn't matter, does it? One night, our parsonage in Hickory was designed by a Swiss architect. A beautiful house, great big house, three bedrooms upstairs and three in the basement. A big family. Oh, it was a really big house, but it had a lot of glass in it, you know. Swiss, they like glass. They like to see it. Self-centeredness. I was asleep one morning, about 2.30, and uh, I had the sense that someone was looking at me ever. And, and the moon was shining too, and I opened my eyes, and my son Jim, he was about three and a half, his face was that far from mine. I about jumped out of my skin. <laughs> he says, Dad, I want oatmeal, and I want it right now. <laughs> I said, son, it's 2.30 in the morning. I'm pleased, Dad, I'm starving. <laughs> so I got up in a little bit of great two oatmeal bowls and went back self-centered. He didn't care. He didn't realize Daddy had to be up at 4.30 to drive down to Winston for surgery. But, you know, we're not talking about innocence. We're talking about dependence. When a child is in trouble, it always comes to mom and daddy, doesn't it? It depends on that mom and daddy because he knows that mom and daddy, if they're good parents, sadly there are some that aren't good, but, but they know for the most part that that mom and daddy or that grandpa or grandma is going to take care of their problem as best as they can. Dependence. And so when Jesus talks about us having the faith of a child, he's talking about us to come to him with complete dependence, you see. My boys had problems they couldn't solve. I've been able to solve most of them, but I haven't been able to solve 
all of them because I'm just human like the rest of you. But, but, but they would come to me with their troubles. They would come to me when they're afraid. They would come to me when they needed a new pair of tennis shoes, whatever, you know. Knowing that, that their mom and daddy loved them and would do all they can to meet their need. And so it is that we come to the Lord. You know, one of our my members here who I just appreciate so much, I'm, this just happened this morning, was telling about sharing about the opportunity to hear Mr. Forbes' witness. And the person responded unkindly by saying, well, it's about time. I'll promise you, that person never looked in their heart. Never looked in their heart. Praise God for our, for our member here witnessing, though, and trying to lead and trying to give people opportunity. We know that our dependence is upon the Lord. Whatever happens, whatever we deal with, the true person of a childlike faith, the saving faith, looks to the Savior to meet that need. Right? You know, uh, Dolly Parton, famous Tennessean like myself. Um, Dolly Parton had a beautiful song she used to sing about knowing him that holds tomorrow. None of us know what tomorrow's going to bring, but we know him who holds tomorrow. And, and that's what I'm talking about, that, that, that true faith has that, that absolute trust and dependence on the Lord to hold us and to take care of us. Uh, uh, we, we have... Look at Jesus with complete dependence upon him, upon what he promises. We trust his word and not our feelings, you know. I've had believers, and I've been through that place, walked through the valley of the shadow, and, and they say, I feel like God is so far away. You ever been there? I feel like God just doesn't know what I'm dealing with. And while those feelings may be legitimate, being focused on them is illegitimate because your place does not depend on your feelings. It depends upon his promise. He promises to hold you even to the end of age. Not to worry about Trials and tribulations, they're going to come to all of us. Some of you are walking through them right now. But you know that he's with you even in them. And you know that even when the time comes that, that the world's natural course of getting old reaches its conclusion, that he's going to see you through even that. Trusting his promises. I have a little book that I often give people, and I give it to them because my mother gave it to me when I was going through a deep, deep trial. It's called Bible Promises. 
And then it is scripture verses that deals with just about every situation you can deal with. I give that to people because I know that it's been those promises that have carried me through. And you know what? They'll carry you through always. <laughs> yes, we trust in his promises. Like a little child, we trust in what he teaches. We may not always feel like loving your enemy is the best thing. We may not always feel that we ought to do good to those that have done bad to us, but we don't trust those feelings. What do we trust? We trust what he teaches, to, to, to love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. I've had plenty of opportunity in life to do that. I'm sure if many, many people may have prayed for me in the same way, but, but we, follow, uh, we follow his teachings just like a little child. And we follow and trust what he does. We trust that even when we carry a cross with him, we trust that we know when that is over, he rose from the dead. We're going to be talking about that a few weeks from now. So we come to that dependence. And believers, those of you who have maturity, our role is to encourage and to protect those babes in Christ. Certainly to see to physical needs, but above all, to protect them from spiritual harm. Jesus has a really harsh judgment for those who cause little ones, and that can mean children, but it can also mean people that have newly come to the faith, that causes them to stumble. He reserves a harsh judgment. Did you note that? That a millstone. Now, some of you may not want to know what a millstone is. How many know what a millstone is? The only place you ever see them now is people put them up for decorations, but they're great stones that are carved and grooved for you dump wheat or corn and it comes closer and closer. Then it comes out as flour. Or better than that, cornmeal. I'm a cornbread boy. But, but he says, it's better if you have all those giant stones tied about your neck and be thrown into the depths of the sea rather than causing one of these little ones to stumble. I think that we need to realize that we are living in an anti-Christian age. Did you know that? Uh, I don't know how long Facebook will leave it up because they, they don't have any problem leaving up pornography or they don't have any problem leading up, uh, uh, leaving up uh, pro-Islamic statements. But, you know, I haven't figured out that algorithm yet. But, but I put something up from David Horowitz this morning that I, I hope every one of you will read. And you better read it quick, because like I say, it may be taken down. Where it talks about the effort to undermine and destroy the Christian faith in America. David Horowitz was a left-wing radical when I was in college. And he's come to thinking in different ways. not saved yet, but we want to think that. But anyway, I, I just encourage everybody to read that. But, but we live in that age. These little children here. 
They're not going to grow up in an environment beyond the walls of the church or beyond the home that's going to encourage them to the Christian faith. In fact, they're going to run into all kinds of things, and they're starting to do it now even in kindergartens, that's going to steer them away from the teachings of the Bible and the true and living God. And the same is true of, of adults who've just come to Christ. They're not going to, outside the walls of the church, they're not going to find the encouragement, care, and understanding that will help them grow in faith. That's a reality. And there are plenty of people outside the church that will cause them to stumble. Yes. It's clear what God's word teaches. You know that? His, his word is clear. On, on, on everything that you really need to know, it's absolutely clear. Now, some passages you may study. I've had one that I've been studying for a lifetime. I haven't really come yet to the clear conclusion of it. But, 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 but on, on the essential things, it is absolutely clear. And the Satan's in the world like the snake to Eve. Say, surely God did not say this. God did, God did not say you, you can't perform abortions. I mean, uh, like this professor at Elon wrote recently, uh, God wants women to have an abundant life. And, and if an abortion is necessary for that abundant life, it's necessary. God didn't say before I knit you together in your mother's womb, I knew you. He did, and, or, and if he did say it, you don't understand it. Or God did not say that a man shall not lay with another man as with a woman. I mean, God, God really didn't say that. And they cause people to stumble. They'll cause you to stumble, they'll cause your children to stumble, and they'll cause your grandchildren to stumble. These are horrible people that do that. I don't care how nice they come across. They're horrible people. And the sad thing is that there are many people who know better, parents and grandparents, who do not attend to the essential work of every parent. I, I put a quote up this week. Somebody stole it from somebody. It said that, that your chief concern as a parent, and I would say as a grandparent, is not to get your child into Harvard, but to get them into heaven. You know? But so many parents today aren't concerned about that. Not only are they stumbling, but they are causing their loved ones to stumble. And I think we need to talk to people about that. I got a member of this church praying for me right now. I've been trying to see this guy, and he's stumbling, and, and worse than that, he's causing his family to stumble. Men need to step out and be the real spiritual leaders in their homes. Period. That's what the Bible says. And when we don't do that, we cause our loved ones to stumble. I don't have the power to preach that George Whitfield had the great uh, preacher of the 1700s, but he preached a sermon in Philadelphia one time where he talked about parents and, and families' failures to point their children to heaven. To really engage in that, you know. He preached with such power that people were overcome with conviction as they visualized their children missing the kingdom of God that they fell down, fainted even. Oh, I tell you, a parent that faints over that has grasped the essential issue. I promise you, when they came to, they were different, weren't they? 
And so many people, little children like these and, and even young Christians and even the lost, sometimes the church fails to make them aware of the most important thing, Christ. And his lordship over their life. And would it be that the Lord would say to us, say to me, say to you, are you causing people to stumble? You know, that's my greatest fear in life. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to be in heaven. Now, I know I'm a sinner, but my sins will be forgiven. But my greatest personal fear is that, that I would ever do anything or fail to do anything in a manner in which it would cause somebody in their Christian walk and coming to Christ to stumble. Lord, don't ever let me have an arrogant attitude towards people that are struggling. Don't let me have that. Don't ever let there be a single person that I don't look for ways to encourage in their faith. Mature believers and immature believers, and lost people. Lord, I, I don't want you to have that, that harsh judgment over me that I need a millstone around my neck. Lord, never let me be a stumbling block, but Lord, somehow by your grace and mercy, so walk, work in me. And as I, I hope you pray in this same thing, that in your grace and mercy, that the Lord will never allow you to be a stumbling block, but always a stepping stone to the Lord. Harsh words for those who would be the cause of a person not coming to Christ or growing in Christ. Yes, dependent upon the Lord we are as children. But likewise, being dependent upon him, we become obedient to him. It's a powerful moment in the Gospels where Simon Peter had denied the Lord. Do you remember that? And even in denying him, he was among the first to see the risen Lord. Do you remember that? And he knew that Jesus lived. But in the Gospels, it tells us that after the appearances of Christ to the disciples... Think about this. What did Peter do? Peter went back to Galilee. And he returned to his old work, didn't he? And I don't know the reason for sure, but I'd rather suspect, and you can test this by Scripture, but I'd rather suspect that in Peter's heart, he took very seriously the great sin of denying Christ. And I think that in Peter's heart, he felt like, because of my sin, <coughs> I'm 
I have lost my place in the apostleship of the Lord. That's how he felt. Don't trust your feelings. And Jesus came to the sea. And we know the story. He repeated the miracle that happened when he first called him. He told them to throw the nets on the other side. They had been, I've been had this experience lots of time, Bobby fishing. I fished all night and caught nothing. But he, he, they threw the nets on the other side of the sea and, and, and they pulled them in. More than they could hold, more than the boat could carry. And Peter said immediately, it's the Lord. And he jumped in and swam to the shore. And Jesus took him aside from all the others and he said, Simon Peter, do you love me? Remember that? And Simon Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. And then he asked him a second time, Simon Peter, do you, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, then feed my lambs. And then the third time he asked him and, and Peter became somewhat frustrated, I guess, concerned, and, and he, Jesus said, uh, Simon Peter, do you love me? And then Jesus said, as he confessed, he did love him, feed my sheep. Little children are perishing. People who do not know Christ are perishing. Did you know that? My brother raised his children outside the church. That's causing people to stumble, you know that. Feed my sheep. These little ones... We've got grandparents here in this church that they love the Lord so much. They inspire me. Their parents, the grandchildren's parents didn't bring them to church, but grandpa and grandma and one of their aunties, they go way out of the way to bring those children to church. I would remind you one of the greatest comings to Christ happened in this church because those two little grandchildren came forward to be amongst the first to accept Christ. That great revival we had. Incidentally, Kevin is coming back in April to preach for us. Those little children came forward, and, and when they came forward, it was like a tidal wave, wasn't it? Brother Ray, wasn't it? Grandparents feeding the sheep. Now, some may be upset today to say, Pastor is, is talking harshly about some of my family that do not bring their kids to church, and, and I'm not being harsh. I'm being sorrowful. Causing little ones to stumble. Causing a new Christian maybe to ever feel alone or, or unsupported. We don't want that to happen, do we? You depend as a little child on the promise, every promise that Christ has given you.
You trust it before you trust anything else. And do all you can with your Christian walk and Christian witness to be a stepping stone, not a stumbling block. There are people who are in their 80s who need a stepping stone. Did you know that? Just as there are little ones. Guard your Christian walk so that you do not cause or allow anyone to stumble away from the Lord. If you love Jesus, you will feed his sheep. If you love Jesus, you will love the little ones in him. Babes in Christ, precious in the sight of the Lord. Our Father, we come to you in the strong and mighty name of Jesus to pray for all the little ones that you might use us to protect them from stumbling. That our lack of witness and lack of loving you would never be measured to us as a, the fact that we are a stumbling block. But use us, O oh Lord, to be the means of encouraging and protecting and drawing everyone we can. More especially those who are yet weak in the faith. To a closer, more binding relationship with you, our wonderful Savior. Amen.